Hello and welcome to the EG Property Podcast with me, EG Editor Sam McClary. On this episode, we turn our attention to the increasingly fascinating world of life sciences. The UK life science sector was thrown into the spotlight during the coronavirus pandemic as experts in Oxford, Cambridge and London led the way on vaccines. But there is more to life science than vaccines, and there's certainly more to life sciences in the UK than just the golden triangle. In this podcast, I'm joined by a trio of experts, Emma Goodford, a partner at Knight Frank and head of national offices with an increasing focus on the life science sector, Stuart Grant, co-founder of Core Life Investors, advisor to Brookfield's real estate group and CEO of Howell Campus with some 25 years of real estate experience to draw on, and Richard O'Boyle, executive director of We Are Pioneer with some 17 years of investment track record. Over the next 30 minutes or so, we discuss the power of the web that life science can bring to the UK. We talk about how success is not just about the golden triangle and the clusters, but about an interconnected collaboration of innovative businesses that can together turn the country into a centre of excellence. It is a fascinating listen with a bounty of insights to take away. But don't take my word for it. Listen in and enjoy. Hello and welcome to another edition of the EG Property Podcast and another um, episode where we are looking at the very wonderful world of life sciences, this really hot topic in real estate uh, uh, at the moment. And in today's discussion, we're going to be talking about how the growth of life sciences is, is really not just in sort of one or three places the the growth of life sciences isn't just about the golden triangle and those clusters around it it's a a web of connected um, businesses a, a web of innovators and innovation that can really turn this country of ours into a real center of excellence and to to really talk through through that and the role of real estate in in that in creating that that centre of excellence and this web of innovation. I have three fantastic guests joining me on the EG Property Podcast. I'm going to hand over to each of them to give us a little bit of an introduction, get you all used to their wonderful voices and uh, their view on or what life sciences means means to them. Uh, I'm going to pass first to the very wonderful Emma Goodford. Sam, thank you for that introduction. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, we were very keen to be involved in this discussion because, as, as you rightly say, uh, this is more than just the Golden Triangle in London. This is, a, you know, it's a UK. It's arguably a global, uh, it's a global industry. It's a global sector. Um, but uh, Knight Frank have a web of offices across the UK, and certainly within those offices, uh, we've been. Uh, particularly in the last 24 months, getting actively involved uh, with clients who are working to deliver uh, real estate solutions uh, to occupiers in these sectors. Um, a lot of that is linked, and I won't go on into too much detail, but a lot of that obviously is linked to the spread of academic and research institutions, which which spread right up and down the country and are not just limited to the southeast and London. So very much looking forward to the uh, discussion today with, uh, with Richard and Stuart. Fantastic. Thank you, Emma. Passing straight over to Richard. Thanks, Sam. Hi, uh, Hannah. Hi, Stuart. Um, we, as a company, so I'm, I'm executive director at We Are Pioneer Group, um, which operates and owns uh, 11 sites up and down the country, uh, totaling about 2.3 million square feet, um, home to about 600 businesses. Uh, my venture development colleagues, uh, also within the business, uh, run and operate five accelerator programs, and we work directly uh, mentoring 40 businesses up and down the UK. 
Thank you very much. And last but by no means least, Stuart. Oh, thanks, Sam. And hi, Emma and Richard. Um, yeah, it's great to be involved. I'm uh, I'm a 30-year kind of real estate veteran and spent a lot of my career at Blackstone. And Blackstone were involved in buying a company called Biomed in America many years ago, which is a kind of leader in the world's uh, real estate provision for life science companies, uh, kind of scattered around the States, Boston, San Francisco, Seattle, and San Diego. So I kind of got a bit of an understanding of that business when I was at Blackstone. And uh, last year, set up a business called Core Life Investors in the UK with a focus to buy science, technology and innovation campuses, predominantly in the UK. And we are, um, our, our main client is Brookfield. So we've been involved in buying Harwell and then recently have uh, bought Arlington. So the total portfolio is 2 million square feet of income reducing assets with an appetite to build out another 2.5 million square feet over the next five years. Fantastic. Thank you. And we've obviously, um, just as we were sort of coming into to record today's discussion, we've seen, again, a huge amount of investment going into to the Golden Triangle to the, I guess, what most people would say is the real heart of life sciences into, into Cambridge. But, but we're not here to really talk about Cambridge. We're here to talk about everything else. And and Emma, you <clears throat> mentioned the the universities, actually, and how they're spread all across the countries. And it is it is those that could actually be the sort of powerhouses of 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 this web of innovation this web of life sciences can you give us a little a little bit more insight from from you on 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 those yeah i think it's um uh, well I, I suppose the first thing you would look at is is the the global rankings of uh of the universities and and how they sit if you like in the in the in the global network of of the lance of the life sciences sector um and you know what you find is that whilst of course um, Oxford, Cambridge, UCL, Imperial feature, you know, very heavily. You, you've also got, um, you know, Edinburgh, Manchester, Aberdeen, Glasgow um, ranked uh, within the top 100 global universities um, and Liverpool. So, you know, th- these are academic institutions um, with courses that provide talent to businesses based in, in those um uh, UK-wide locations, um, and not just that, they're also a, a rich source of spin-out business that um, is generated from within those institutions. Um, and you know, I, I hate I hate to use too many stats, but if you look at the total life sciences spin-outs that have happened in the last ten years, uh, of course, London and the southeast feature very heavily, um, but Edinburgh, Bristol, Belfast, Manchester, Birmingham, Strathclyde, Glasgow, Aberdeen—you know—they they are all um, universities that are spinning out. Um, a lot of startups um, and and those will in time, some of them at least will scale up. So you know, provide incredibly rich uh, talent um, and innovation knowledge uh, for the sector generally. Thank you. And, and Stuart, Richard, as in, investors in the market, are you looking to the, those sort of secondary tertiary places and the universities for for opportunities for, for growth or do you see any any barriers there? Our approach, again, I'm a great believer in learning what's happened elsewhere from elsewhere. And the, again, the U.S. is a mature industry in this in this regard. And Biomed and Alexandria, Ventus, Longfellow, these type of organizations, they've built their business on on targeting uh, real estate opportunities juxtaposed to leading teaching hospitals and and, you know, and leading universities. And um, and as a result, they've grown accordingly. So to answer your question specifically, yeah, we're, in the U.K., we are interested in trying to acquire uh, opportunities near universities and, and leading hospitals. So it's it's golden triangles obvious because you can, you know, deploy more equity. There's some interesting opportunities and that's where the bulk of the activity is. But 
as Emma said, there's plenty of opportunities in other parts of the country that uh, um, that are relevant. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I think uh, also there's um, there's wider nuances as well in terms of sort of a legacy farmer or legacy farmer sites. And typically uh, that translates into people and people aren't as transient um, as as perhaps uh, we ought to be. Um, and I think that's where that's the other source of, um, of particularly talent uh, is, it can be found. And that's a sort of big driver that we see uh, across the sites. And and it, it seems when I've had many discussions uh, around life sciences, that the T word, as you mentioned, talent is is actually what is most important. It's it's actually not really the real estate, is it? It's it's access to those those people. So I'd be really keen to to hear from all of you what what we need to do to make sure that we are opening up this country to that talent and therefore making sure that we are able to grab hold of the opportunity that life sciences offers uk plc i suppose and and i guess that's my roundabout way as into to getting into that that leveling up um discussion that uh that runs through almost everything we do these days richard yeah i mean it's uh it's a good question i mean ultimately talent is the key and primary driver of life science ecosystems. The the reality is as well, it's a global um, proposition. It's not a one um, location dominated. Uh, a key thing pre to, uh, or prior to Brexit was actually people recognised that it was a global enterprise and we needed to make sure that things like uh, people's right to stay and so on was was sorted because without that talent, it was so it was very challenging. It would be a barrier for companies to grow. Um, where we're seeing the levelling up agenda actually uh, it comes into sort of both investment, uh, both in, from governments in terms of uh, primary facilities that are unique um, and targeting specific areas. We talked about Stevenage and there, there are other examples up and down the UK. But um, it is that sort, you know, sorting and, and providing facilities as well that, that support that talent, that are you know, that community feel, the amenities that go far and beyond, above and beyond sort of traditional historic real estate. Thank you. Emma? I think as far as levelling up, Sam is concerned, I think the government announcement, what was it, probably 24 months ago now, about the development of 40 new hospitals, you know, from a levelling up point of view is incredibly important because, you know, the suggestion is that that investment will take place predominantly outside of the southeast. Um, and as Richard says, you know, access, and Stuart, you know, access into the NHS is, is probably, you know, one of the greatest opportunities that, that UK Life Sciences PLC has. Um, diverse data, uh, perhaps more diverse data outside the southeast, actually, than, than than within the southeast. So again, very interesting for the wider UK market, um, and you know the development of those those hospitals, you know, teaching hospitals, the academic aspects connected to that, um, really important. And and you know the levelling up agenda, the funding of those particular institutions will be important. But you know there's other things. The the new pandemic institute that I think was even announced just last week in Liverpool. You know that that's a it's a fairly modest investment, admittedly, but that's a, an interesting investment. You know in in arguably the city that sort of led the pandemic because of its mass trialling that took place there. Um, that that is interesting, um, and certainly a lot of the levelling up agenda is linked to funding, and and targeting that specifically to 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 bring through talent that that hopefully remains indigenous to that location. Thank you, Stuart. Your thoughts? Yeah, a couple of, a couple of thoughts. Um, 
well, the good news thoughts, um, the VC activity in the UK is extremely dynamic in this sector. And uh, I just was noticing some statistics uh, this week that the VC, the capital raised in the life science sector this, this year, year to date, August 21, is 4.25 billion. And that compares to 2.8 billion last year. So you're seeing a lot of fresh money coming into these sectors. And and it's obvious why aging population, rising demand for more advanced healthcare, there's just the change in demographics is is and then COVID, and the kind of the impact of COVID has has made big investors pivot to this sector in a for for obvious obvious reasons. So that's that's great. And the UK, we we also see kind of a growing presence of large life science corporates or pharma corporates of Merck are increasing their activity here. And uh, Novartis obviously increased their campus. Uh, they moved into White City. Gilead have got plans to, to have a, a bigger campus as well. So there's there's a lot of activity uh, around the, v, the VC and corporate world, which is positive for the UK story. When VCs uh, put money into life science organizations, um, the thing that happens next is they go out and hire people. OK, and then after that, they go and lease more real estate because they need to put their people somewhere. So. And this is happening all over the country. Obviously, the concentrations in the Golden Triangle, but we're seeing it all, all across the country. The other great news thing in the UK is I think we've got a very supportive government. They get it. They understand it. I've spent a lot of time with senior government ministers. Uh, they visit Harwell a lot. A good example is the Rosalind Franklin Institute. The, the government, with a whole bunch of leading universities, Oxford, Imperial, Southampton, Leeds, King's College, Cambridge, etc., they put £103 million into building the Rosalind Franklin Institute, which is kind of the exemplar institute. They opened like that this year, and it's focused on life sciences and disruptive innovation in life sciences. And there's about 240 scientists in that building. So so I think VC activity, good government support, positive equals positive message for the UK. No, I, I completely agree with Stuart there, um, and the, the the sort of nuance there within within sort of VC, VC funding particularly is that actually um, a lot of it will be directed towards sort of the Golden Triangle, but in reality a lot of that money raised is then spent in the regional uh, portfolio or regional locations, and that plays into the leveling up agenda. And I use a little, you know, little example: if you think a therapeutic company based in London might raise ten million pounds. Six to seven of that will often be spent with spent where with contract research organisations who will often be located in regional cities. That's really interesting, and I think that's prob that's probably one of the things that we we all forget when we talk about life sciences. We have a quite a blinkered view of what life sciences is, and actually, it's so much wider than so many of us as as think. And there are different specialisms. You know, it's not all. It's not all pharma, is it? There's a lot of a lot of other sort of um, if we're staying with the the web theme, lots of other and, and spiders and legs and tentacles out there. Mm. And and um, Emma, I'd love to love to hear a bit more from from you around what you're seeing in terms of, um, I guess, those those different those specialist areas of life sciences and where growth might be for for some of those. Yeah, well, it's interesting, Sam. I mean, the one statistic that every time I hear it, I'm just flabbergasted by is the fact that uh, no country in Europe manufactures aspirin, you know, your, your basic painkiller, if you like, something I could have done with a bit over the over the weekend as we cycle strenuously around Cumbria. And and, and I think, um, you know, I, I think the fact that the, the UK has become, you know, very, it has inevitably become focused on the research aspects. But 
manufacturing in the sector needs to be looked at very closely and and perhaps re-onshored, you could say, if, that, if that's such an expression. Um, I think I think that's an incredibly important aspect. Um, I think the UK will particularly benefit in the future from the increasing convergence between life sciences and technology. You know, we're, we're seeing that massively, but but you know that's a trend that is set to continue, um, and and that will have huge impacts, I think, for real estate. Um, I'm not going to suggest for a minute the demise of the wet lab because that won't happen for a very long time. But you know, as everything becomes increasingly computational. Um, that that will have an impact on real estate and, and how it can be used and, and perhaps help in terms of repurposing assets, which in turn will be good for sustainability. Direct link there into, into the ESG agenda. I think, you know, the sector is known perhaps not for being hugely environmental, um, uh, but, but certainly there's a, a, a growing, a massive focus now, not even growing, but a massive focus now on ESG and wellness, very much linked to people and, and their productivity. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I, th I think the future, as I say, is, is probably linked to digital. Um, but with that, you know, the NHS so much talked about during the pandemic, that will have a huge role to play as well. And, and I think, you know, that's unique to the UK um, in terms of the, the healthcare service, the data that that system provides, obviously the academic and teaching aspects uh, within that network. And, and what about the, the role of place, I suppose, in those clusters that, you, you know, you talked there about bringing sort of manufacturing back back to the, the UK. And, you know, is there an opportunity here for 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 the UK to become a, you know, a a place of manufacturing for some of our our towns and cities to regenerate and rejuvenate with with um, sort of honing in on, you know, we'll be the specialist here, we'll be the specialist there. My, my real life example is Harwell because I think it's a great exemplar where grade A office kind of tenants and products is juxtaposed to advanced manufacturing facilities. So it's quite unique, actually. And I, it's a bit new to me because I joined a year, year ago, but I see it. I see it. And it, it's it's really effective, actually. So I, I think um, that type of model where you have you have manufacturing working really well alongside a kind of a, an office environment is is to be celebrated and promoted in other parts of the country. Yeah, and for what it's worth, we're seeing it across our portfolio as well, actually, that mixture um, and the, the aspiration for the scientists themselves to retain that um, uh, that research and that development and the growth of, of that business uh, in that in their point of origin is um, runs through their veins, if you like. Uh, one of the challenges is is you know, power. So it's sort of uh, the unknown, uh, what the hidden secret that in the UK, certainly from a power perspective, we're pretty much at capacity at the moment. And it's obviously playing out in the press at, at the moment. Um, but so a provision of power is, is going to be a challenge, uh, as is ESG actually, as uh, Emma mentioned a few moments ago, because if you think about it, in, in a laboratory uses maybe uh, six air changes an hour, an office uses uh, one to two air changes an hour, and that translates into a very poor EPC rating. So how do we, how do we overcome though, those barriers? You know, if we are going to um, turn the UK into this hub, this web of, of life sciences of great opportunity, how do what do we need to do to make sure that when we have got enough power, that we are attacking the 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 green agenda in in the right way. That we have got the the talent. That we have got the investment and the space needed to to bring about this growth. I, it's interesting, Sam. I think you know the life sciences sector, um, by virtue of sort of how it has developed over many many years, I, I think is is incredibly good at sort of building its own communities, and and I think. Um, 
I, I know, Stuart, you regularly say, you know, you, you don't build realist, real estate, you sort of you build communities. You know, that that is so <laughs> relevant to the life sciences sector. Um, I, I think, um, you know, the, the, the challenge will be effectively um, linked to price. And, and there's already, I think, a recognition in many places that, you know, the, the cost of many of these facilities is going to outstrip particularly traditional sort of office space. Well, that's arguably a good thing in terms of the economics of that. Um, I think the real estate that's developed is going to have to be very flexible um, and because it's going to have to it's going to have to change and, and probably adapt and, and a, at a much greater pace of acceleration than it has in the past. You know, what, what has happened in terms of the development of the COVID vaccine, I think, has made everybody realise that everything can now be compressed. And, and that means the demands on real estate are going to be that much greater. Um, and undoubtedly, you know, investor and occupier working together are going to have to deal with the sort of ESG challenge and not just the E of, of ESG, but also the social and the governance aspects. The governance is particularly important, of course, in, in manufacturing and the pharmaceutical sector. Um, but I think, you know, the social aspects are very important in terms of how the sector will connect into communities, which, of course, it can do through the NHS very well, um, how it can connect with schools even before you get to universities apprenticeships the offer of that so I, th I think it offers um you know a huge opportunity for the sector um and you know at all stages you know not not just at startup stage and scale up stage and and you know biotech and big pharma stage but right the way up and down there's a huge opportunity for to embrace uh the the wellness and and environmental agenda one of the challenges in this in the UK is there's a supply demand imbalance at the moment. So basically, what that means is there's there's increasing demand. You know, we talked about VC activity leading to, you know, you know basically leasing demand from occupiers. That's all positive, but on the supply side, there's actually a massive shortage of space, and um, I think it's up to the real estate community to address that. I think it's happening, but it takes a while to build buildings. Um, and the examples are, if you think of London, London's chronically terrible in terms of the provision of wet lab space. Between now and 2025, there's only 170,000 square feet of, of wet lab space uh, going to be delivered, which is which is terrible. And there's only one purpose-built uh, wet lab building in the UK, and it's, it's, sorry, in London, and it's the IHUB building at, uh, by, by Imperial at White City. So that's that. And, and the other link to that is when there's supply demand imbalance plays through to rental increase. And you're seeing that quite substantially, which is a you know good is a good thing for some people. Um, and rents are in the kind of 60, 70 pounds a foot range now for that type of product. But there comes a point, I think of the rest of the UK and markets outside London, there'll be an affordability issue at some point. And uh, you'll see some people say, I can't be at King's Cross. It's, I can't pay that sort of rent. I need to be in Leeds or Oxford or Cambridge or Glasgow or whatever. So, so a few interesting dynamics. But to answer your question, I think we can play as a real estate community. We can play a, a part in creating the right product for the for the for the demand that's out there. And and that is the real opportunity, isn't it, for all of those universities, um, cities that we're talking about right at the top of this conversation. If there is a a supply shortage in the in the golden triangle, here's the opportunity to put up your hand and say, hey, well, we've got you know we're specialist here. We've got all this talent and we might have some some supply where you can come through. So engaging with the with the real estate um, community as well as the 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 um, scientific and academic communities there to bring bring forward those opportunities is, is that any is that something any of you are seeing happening already? 
Yeah, I mean, certainly I've seen it up and up and down the UK. Also, our, our competitors, if you like, sort of Brentwood uh, and others are, are heavily engaged with sort of uh, universities and the, the campuses that are uh, being envisaged up and down from Edinburgh, Glasgow, and the list is long leads. Um, uh, for, um, for what it's worth, I very much view life science ecosystems as more like a, 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 the scientists themselves are the orchestra. Um, and real estate, we have the ability to be uh, that conductor, waving that baton, uh, pulling in uh, instruments um, as and when needed. That, though, is ultimately driven by sort of the scientists themselves doing all the sort of uh, producing the magical music. Um, and they can or cannot, you know, may or may not uh, decide to listen to you. But that really relies upon you as on the real estate perspective, talking their language, um, understanding and interpreting who they are and what they are and what they need. Emma, you were nodding along there. I, I just love the analogy, the orchestra analogy. I think I think that's absolutely right. I mean, it's, you know, scientists probably couldn't be less interested in real estate in, in reality. So, yeah, there is the need to listen to it and, and, and then to respond. And I think what we'll see in the wider UK market is, is specialism developing. Um, it's, you know, you can already see that in terms of whether it's, I don't know, robotics in, in Bristol or... Um, diagnostic and screening methodologies in Manchester, but you'll see different cities around the UK developing real strengths in subsectors um, within life sciences and becoming particularly attractive to, uh, to to business, you know, who specialise in those particular areas. One thing we, we, we've mentioned, but we haven't focused on on just yet, and I'd like to before we before we get to the end of the conversation is is startups and is um, you know, sort of incubating really great in a innovation, and and I think this this kind of um, ties in with the supply question as well. And if we're getting lots of great minds out there who are coming up with really great ideas, is there a way for real estate to be able to incubate that to bring those people uh, along? Is there a you know, could we see, for example, a box park type style um, uh, set of real estate for um, a, you know, sort of one or two man band that's really doing something really fantastic and innovative in, in life sciences? The answer is yes. And it's kind of happening already. And if you talk to anyone that runs an incubator facility, there's not many of them, but if you talk to any of them, um, they'll tell you we're fully up, we're full, full up and we've got a massive waiting list. And rents are moving up. So, so, so there's again there's a massive shortage of of good incubation space in the UK. Um, and I think as kind of real estate developers of large clusters, I think it's important that uh, we take all we create an incubation facility. And in we're certainly looking at it. The economics are tight. Obviously, it's a bit it's a bit risky. Obviously, the covenant strength of the underlying occupiers is not so great. Uh, but I think you almost have to take it as a kind of, not as a loss leader, but as a, as maybe a tighter margin building. But it's part of your broader ecosystem. But um, but the demand is certainly there. And um, and the box part analogy, I think there's a company called Open Cell and Shepherd's Bush that are actually doing that. They're they're running, life you know they have life science companies in shipping containers in Shepherd's Bush, and it's very successful. And it's grown enormously over the last three years, I think, since it established you. Yeah, it's a yeah. fantastic facility. I, th I think the difficulty with the box park analogy is the fact that um, some of these startups need access to quite specialist equipment and, and they can't afford to buy it themselves. So, so that incubator environment can can provide that for them. Uh, and that's exactly what we're having to do. Um, so both we, we run a bunch of incubators across the UK uh, and uh, hope well, as of uh, tomorrow, one in, in Ireland, 
Um, but we also provide that specialist equipment because it's, you know, some of these NMR machines or mass specs cost 600,000, 700,000 pounds, which is beyond the means of sort of startup um, who are looking to sort of very much sort of get on the on the ladder, sort of on the business ladder. Um, so it's absolutely an area I think is a huge opportunity for the UK and one that as landlords we have to get in or get better at uh, in terms of working with those individuals and thinking about it less in terms of uh, pounds per square foot and more about the uh, the, uh, the trajectory of that business because as Stuart mentioned at the start of the podcast the that tra- the, the more successful a company is that translates directly into more real estate they take. The other add-on to that is it's kind of funny if you have a successful incubator facility in your campus, large corporates like that, they want to be there next to the kind of the small startups that are doing interesting things because they learn from them and they might actually acquire them over time as well. So so it's 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 a critical component to a successful ecosystem. Which which brings us back right to the beginning where we were talking about, you know, the importance of of um sort of connecting and collaborating and spinning spinning this web of, of life sciences and and it is clearly a sector that is is growing exponentially that people are so fascinated by and there is a huge huge opportunity for for um businesses for individuals to to really do something very exciting and for real estate to do something very exciting so i'd love to round off our conversation with with each of your views on where you can see the future of life sciences in in the UK going, uh, Stuart, I'm going to start with you on that. I'm 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 in the sector because I'm passionately a believer in the in the future of the sector. I think the UK are really you know we're really good at it. We've got leading universities, leading hospitals, we've got bright minds, we've got a well educated workforce here, and I think that the future for the UK in life science advancement is it's hugely exciting. And again, the government's behind it. So many businesses are getting behind it as well. So so I, I, I think, and as you said earlier, life science, it goes across so many areas. It can be pharma, biotech, medtech, diagnostic, digital health. There's so many different spin-off industries that can benefit from these advancements. So I'm 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 a big believer in that. I think I think um, activity from universities, from government and and businesses and the real estate folks, we all need to catch up, I think. Richard. No, I mean the, the future is is so bright. I mean it's something that I you know I walk across our sites up and down the country, and the the science that's been done is absolutely sort of heartwarming. It has real world impact as well, and you know supported by the VC activity, which I can't see abating at all. I think I, that's if anything going to grow uh, exponentially. So that will translate directly into real estate. So the future is very bright from our perspective, but also the whole sector. Thank you. And Emma, the final word. Uh, two things. I think it's incredibly exciting to see how sort of behind the sector the government are at the moment um, with, with, you know, particularly their 10 year life sciences vision plan. Um, but I also think it could translate into uh, an interesting uh, urbanisation of the sector. You know, th- th- there's been a tendency that a lot of this development has happened on out of town, edge of town sort of business park campus environments uh, and I think there's a real opportunity now um, you know particularly as technology and, and life sciences collide I think there's there's a real opportunity for there to be a sort of urbanization if you like of the sector and I think that will be very interesting to see how real estate sort of responds to that challenge. 
I think that sounds fascinating. Urbanisation of the sector. Uh, thank you so much for for joining us on the EG Property Podcast. I know we could probably go on for at least one or two hours talking about the very, very many um, opportunities and some of the challenges that there are in in growing the life sciences sector in, in the UK and the, and the very particular role that real estate can play in that, even if the scientists don't know that they really need it. Um, but thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the EG Property Podcast. Emma, Stuart and Richard. <laughs>